Please be seated. Let us pray. Merciful and loving God, we come here tonight because we love you and we want to hear from you. So speak into our hearts and enable us to respond as faithful disciples. In Christ's name we ask it. Amen. The chalice is empty. The napkin, which usually has bread, is empty. Today, on this holy Thursday, we, when we remember our Lord's last meal with his disciples, we are not celebrating the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. This is a difficult moment. We long to gather around this particular table, this physical table. We want what is good and holy. And yet at this moment, it is out of our reach. We come hoping for something in our hands, yet tonight our hands are empty. We long for communion. We long for the sacrament that we cannot have and for the fellowship of brothers and sisters in the faith who with us gather around one table. We are not alone in this longing. In this season of sheltering in place, faith communities around the world are gathering virtually rather than in person. While some communities may invite congregants to consume bread and wine in their own homes while listening to a worship service, we are not going to do that tonight. Likewise, some may have the presiding ministers receive the sacrament on behalf of the congregation. We're not going to do that when our front doors are locked. I imagine there are already a variety of scholars discussing virtual sacraments in academic papers. And in the years to come, I would not be surprised if there were more than a few PhD dissertations on worship and the sacraments in the context of physical isolation. We're not going there tonight. Tonight, I suggest we stay with the longing for what is not yet here. We are not the first ones to long for communion. The scripture reading for tonight from 1 Corinthians is familiar. They're the words of institution of the Lord's Supper. Jesus gives the bread and the cup to his disciples and he says, do this in remembrance of me. If we have heard these words frequently, they may bring us much comfort. What we haven't heard tonight is the text that comes before and after these words of institution. Tonight's passage is sandwiched between strong language addressing divisions and thoughtlessness. The Apostle Paul, the author, writes, I do not commend you 
Because when you come together, it is not for the better, but for the worse. There was division in the early church. The early Christians did not gather in a separate building to have a ritual meal the way we do when we worship. Instead, they gathered in a private home. In a typical home of the day, there would have been space for, oh, at at most nine people to recline around a table as they ate. And they would consume a full meal, a meal with foods such as bread and beans and meat and rice and olives and vegetables and wine. And in the midst of this common meal, they would share the symbolic bread and cup, remembering the Last Supper that Jesus had with his disciples. While the host and a select few were reclining and enjoying a good meal, there may have been 30 or 40 other guests standing or sitting nearby in an atrium, These would be the lower status members of the church. They too would be given something to eat, but it would be quite modest in comparison to what the host and his special guests were consuming. Imagine standing in an atrium, shoulder to shoulder, perhaps crowded, smelling the aroma of food, maybe glimpsing what's happening in the other room, and longing longing for true communion. Imagine the desire for a real place at the table. One of the things that's interesting about all this is that the Corinthians probably thought this situation was entirely ordinary. Class distinctions were perfectly normal in the ancient world. The wealthier folks may well have thought of themselves as generous by inviting the poorer folks into their house in the first place and giving them a bite to eat. Perhaps those who were standing in the atrium couldn't actually really imagine themselves in the dining room, reclining at the table, knowing that they would never be fully included. Yet it's hard to imagine that they wouldn't have wanted to be included. The Apostle Paul scolded the Corinthians for these divisions. He was sharp with his words. While the Corinthians did not see the table as a place for spiritual and practical unity, Paul did. He did not want some to feast while others went hungry. He gave the church some practical suggestions such as eating before gathering and waiting for all to come together. Mostly, Paul wanted the remembrance of the Lord's Supper to be a reflection of the unity we have in Christ. Communion was to unify, not divide. Those standing in the atrium in first century Corinth and us standing around an empty table are not the only ones to long for communion. In our country, there are many of us who can't come to communion. The incarcerated, perhaps, are not able to receive the sacrament. Some prisons have chaplains who beautifully minister to the needs of 
those who are there. And yet I'm sure there are others who miss the sacrament and the fellowship of believers. The same is true for our homeless population, where whether they are living on the streets or couch surfing with friends and family. Again, while some find worship opportunities, others find their circumstances and our churches prevent their inclusion in worship. Physical limitations also hinder access to communion. Illness and injury keep some at home for weeks and for years. And just like the early Corinthians, we see all these divisions as perfectly normal and entirely ordinary. In other lands, it is political realities that keep people from the table. In China, Pastor Wang Yi was arrested in 2018 and charged a few months ago in December 2019 with the crime of inciting subversion of state power. He was sentenced to nine years in prison and has no opportunity to receive the Eucharist. Dr. Xi Lian has written a book on Lin Zhao, another Chinese political prisoner, she was imprisoned in the 1960s and executed in 1968. Her prison cell, which was stripped of all things except for party propaganda, was where she held her weekly one-person grand church worship. She started at 9.30 in the morning, sang Rock of Ages and other favorite hymns and recalled biblical verses that she learned in a Methodist mission school. Imagine how these political prisoners, then and now, past and present, must have longed for and still long for the sacrament of communion with and the fellowship of believers. We are not alone in longing for what we cannot yet have. A few weeks ago in worship, we heard the story of the raising of Lazarus. In that passage from the Gospel of John, Jesus stands before Martha and helps her to see the new reality that is right in front of her. If Jesus spoke with more punctuation than is grammatically correct, as we sometimes do today, his declaration to Martha would have been, I am the resurrection and life. Here and now, Jesus is already present, already bringing life into the, this world, and this is true. It is also true that God's work is not yet done. We want what is holy and good. We want this table to be filled with all those who would come. We want the imprisoned and the homeless and the homebound to be equal participants in a common meal. We long for that day of spiritual unity. We pray for a time when all will gather at the Lord's table, never to be hungry or thirsty again. That is not our reality yet. To the Corinthians, Paul wrote, 
For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Until he comes. Paul fully expects something more. There are promises yet to be fulfilled. There is hope for what is yet to come. This moment we are in, Monday, Thursday, is not the end of the story. God's story will continue, revealing divine mercy and grace in ways that tonight we may not be able to fully imagine. Just as the Lord's disciples gathered around a meal, could not imagine what the next few days would bring. I am humbled to recognize all that I have taken for granted. I don't want to return to what is normal. Instead, I want to long for and lean into what, by God's grace, is yet to come. God is trustworthy. God's promises will be fulfilled. Thanks be to God. Amen.